Eagles Entertainment. Everything that move. I don't care who it is. Let's go. Give me everything you got. Play fast, play hard. Let's beat these boys tonight in their house. It's party time. It's party time. Let's go. Touchdown! You are listening to the Eagle Eye in the Sky podcast. Now here's your host, Fran Duffy. That's right, another day. We're getting you ready for Dallas Week as the Eagle Eye in the Sky podcast continues. I'm Fran Duffy, and as always, I think we've got a great show for you here on episode number 488. At the top of today's show, we've got three and out, where I chat with my friend Ross Tucker about three of the hottest topics going into the Eagles matchup in week nine against the Dallas Cowboys. Huge opportunity here for the Eagles to stretch that lead out in the division to two games. Going into the bye week, that would be a huge opportunity here for this team. So how do these teams match up? What are the big topics? What are the games? within the game to watch here in this matchup. Well, Ross and I are going to hit on that in three and out. After that, we've got some extra analysis from our Eagles game plan crew. So Greg Cosell, Mike Quick, Ike Reese, John Clark. We're even going to hear from Aaron Moorhead, the Eagles wide receivers coach, right here in the top of the show in just a minute. Before we get there, a couple of things we want to make sure we hit on. Number one, Make sure you head on over to Apple Podcasts, leave us a rating, leave us a review. If you've got a question, leave it in the comment box, we'll answer it. Or if you just want to say how much you love the show or how much you love listening to the episodes, really appreciate everybody that has left us your support. It's the best way to throw us your support. You go do it over on the Apple Podcast page. Uh, also, for those that have asked, because I've had a lot of uh, comments on social media over the last two or three weeks, where are these extra episodes? Where is three and out? Where is faux focus? Well, where is the Eagles game plan uh, extra analysis? Well, the reason why I've not done this podcast for the last few weeks, I've been spending a lot of extra time on a segment that is coming up over on the Eagles YouTube page in the next couple of weeks. So uh, I don't want to give too much away. I'll give it a little bit of a tease. It's one that I think all of my listeners here for this for this podcast. You're going to enjoy this segment uh, that is going to come up here in the next couple of weeks over on the Eagles YouTube page. So stay tuned for more on that. I appreciate everybody that has gone and watched the All-22 review over on the Eagles YouTube page. I did a deep dive into the six most impactful plays from the Eagles win over Washington in Week 8. If you haven't already, it's about 17 minutes long. We went uh, really, really deep on like five or six plays. So uh, if you really like those thorough breakdowns, I enjoy doing them. It's it's flexing a little bit of a different muscle, a little bit different than what we've done in that segment in the past. a lot of fun to do those deep dives into those individual plays. Uh, before we get into Ross Tucker with three and out, I teased it earlier. Let's get into an Eagles game plan, and we'll talk through uh, wide receivers coach Aaron Moorhead. He came into the studio to break down some of the plays from A.J. Brown, Devontae Smith, and Julio Jones' touchdown, his first as an Eagle. We're going to get into that and more right here. It's a segment we call Tape Study. Coach, we've all seen the big highlights from A.J. Brown's record-setting day, but it's more about than just the, the big-time plays with A.J., right? He can do a lot of the yep. little things as well. And I think we see that here on this reception in the first half. Yeah, I mean, A.J. does a great job, you know, from, from the beginning of the game to the end of the game. He, he's, he's in tremendous shape. Uh, he's, he's doing a lot of little things that people don't notice. And, and, again, everybody sees the one-handed catch. They see the down-the-field catches. They see the catches and runs. But there's other things that are going on in his game, and he continues to mature and get better right here. And we end up getting a, a, a nice throw and catch there for, for over 20 yards. And that's what's so impressive about A.J. is that, you know, I know this year you look at the numbers, depending on the stat service, it's uh, what he does from a contested catch standpoint. He's made more catches under one yard of separation than anybody in the NFL this year. We saw what he did down the field 
last year as a vertical threat, the catch and run. I mean, he could do so many different things for you offensively. Yeah, and he and he's a guy that that just works hard at everything. It's not he doesn't want to be a one trick pony. He doesn't want to be a two trick pony. The guy wants to be a complete receiver that can line up anywhere in the field and, and get the job done. And he's done that so far this year. All right, so let's take a look at, at another play here. A catch by wide receiver Devontae Smith. This one happens in the two minute drill uh, just across midfield. Yeah, huge drive for us before the end of the half. Again, we we had just completed three balls in a row to Kenny. We had one row Z in there. Uh, Jalen now is going to get Devontae involved. And, and again, a, a drive that was super important for us. We got points right before the half with a phenomenal catch by A.J. Uh, in the left corner of the end zone. But just a, uh, a huge momentum swing for us in the game right here. Uh, really just uh, two, two plays back-to-back here by Smitty that got us into the red zone. Yeah, some synergy there because I remember it was the, the big post down the field the first time you guys played a few weeks ago in week four to Smitty that kind of got the momentum rolling going in the locker room and you get that here with this uh, sequence of plays. No doubt about it. And, and, uh, and, and last year he had the post and then the, yeah. and then the big corner catch uh, right before the half too. So uh, again, we love our two-headed monster and these two guys and uh, you know excited to see what this next clip is going to bring us with the, with the third head. Yeah, that play is going to be this catch here by Julio Jones. His first touchdown as an Eagle. A lot's been written about, has been talked about with this play. Take us through what made it work. Well, you know, it starts with preparation. And he's been here for really, honestly, it's been less than two weeks. You know, when, when the game was here, it was, it was just about 10 days he yeah. was here. So a lot of preparation of understanding the offense, uh, him working to, to just – Kind of understand our plan for him, and 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 again, he's worked so hard at just understanding exactly what how we want things done, why we want things done, and then I, and then taking his experience and his career so far, uh, and 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 adding that. So uh, really, an exciting moment in the game put us up by a touchdown, and 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 really got everybody going. That's the thing is, I feel like from the end zone angle, you get two great visuals where you get the just the ridiculous catch by Julio, and again, Jalen's got to keep this ball away from this safety, so he puts it on the back shoulder, and then as you mentioned, just the the energy and excitement from all the other white jerseys. It was just awesome to see that on film. Yeah, it was fun. I mean, he's he he's come in, he's earned his respect from his teammates. Uh, you know, he he's a legend in this game, uh, future Hall of Fame player. We all know that. But when you haven't played with him, you don't know what he's about. And I think he's just come in. He's 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 done a lot of different things. He's blocked. He's run routes. He's caught the ball. Uh, he's he's blocked after someone else caught the ball. He's done a lot of different things. So I think he's earned the respect of those guys. And I think everyone was really waiting for him to make a play like this. Uh, not only on the guys in the field, but the people on the sideline, too. So it was a pretty fun moment for everybody. Coach Sirianni and several of the players after the game talked about, you know, the play got put in on Friday, and those Jalen and Julio just wanted to rep it over and over, and you could tell that they were excited about the play. What is that like as a coach as you see, like, all right, the guys are really juiced up to run this play. Do you feel like you have to get it into the game plan? you, you got to get it, and, and you're confident that because it's those two guys that they're going to make it work. Yeah. And, uh, you know, Julio – Again, he's coming to a new team. He wants to make the play work. That's why, again, you work so hard on these things from a game plan's perspective as a coach and then as players from quarterback to, to receiver, quarterback to tight end, quarterback to running back. These plays, they all can have a huge effect on the game. And you never know, was this play going to be called in the first quarter or was it going to be called in the fourth quarter when we needed a play? For us, it happened to be in the fourth quarter when we needed a huge play. And, again, he comes up big for us, makes a makes a great play, and, and, and propels us into the win. So anytime you get a road division win, your guys are making plays, it's a, it, it's a good time to, to be a Philadelphia Eagle. 
Obviously, Tape Study is a video-centric segment. So if you want to watch all the breakdowns from Coach Moorhead, a lot of great info there from him, make sure you go check out Tape Study over on the Philadelphia, on PhiladelphiaEagles.com, the Eagles mobile app, or Eagles game plan. It's going to be dropping uh, on Saturday over on the Eagles YouTube page. So make sure you are ready uh, for Eagles Cowboys by watching Eagles game plan. That will drop on Saturday morning over on the Eagles YouTube page. That said, uh, it's time to catch up with Ross. Let's knock, let's knock the rust off with Ross Tucker. It's time now for 3 and Out. How about this for a start? He's got him again! What a defensive stop. Slay's second pick of the game. Oh, I'm going to have to call him big play. And this defense does the job. One, two, three, and out. All right, back and better than ever, my friend Ross Tucker. Ross, it's been about a month, man. Uh, I'm glad to have you back here on the Eagle Line the Sky podcast. Uh, as I mentioned at the top of the show, uh, I've got a project I've been working on that'll be dropping over on the Eagles YouTube page in the next couple of weeks. But uh, excited to get back into the swing of things here with you on the pod. Well, I'm very excited about that project, and yes, very <laughs> excited to be back here with you talking with the Eagles fans. What do you got for me? All right, so let's go first topic here. Uh, and I'm going to go uh, with the Eagles offense going up against this Cowboys defense. To me, like, uh, this is the prime matchup in the NFL this week. These two units going head-to-head. And to me, like, the game within the game that is so impactful in terms of whether this is a win or loss on either side, it's going to be the battle on third down. The, the Eagles have the number one third down offense. The Cowboys have the number six third down defense. When you look at their identity, because they've had a couple down weeks that have kind of even affected those numbers even more so. I think if you look at the overall the course of the year, they've been one of the best third down defenses in football. They've got a very distinct identity. They go into dime with six defensive backs out in the field, three or four defensive ends up front with one linebacker out there, and they are coming after you. They, they put the gas on uh, and really put a lot of stress on you from a pass game standpoint. Now, um, you know, and when you, even when you like dive a little bit deeper and look at some of the other numbers uh, with both of these units, like the Eagles are number one in plays per drive. The Eagles are number two in offensive plays per game. The Cowboys, they are very high on those lists, or I should say very low defensively. They're number seven in point in plays per drive. They're number three in plays per game. And that all goes back to their ability to defensively get off the field on third down and the Eagles propensity to stay on the field. So, uh, you know, for me, this is going to be like the, the main battleground that is going to determine the outcome of this game. We know Micah Parsons in that pass rush. You want to try and keep them at bay by, you know, staying ahead of the sticks and getting into the more of those third and fours, third and fives. But uh, I'm very excited to see how this game plays out on third down. So am I. And I would say in particular, Fran, I, I'm fascinated to see what Dan Quinn does with A.J. Brown. Yeah. I mean, this guy is winning games for the Eagles. I mean, yep. I, I honestly think he should be up for the MVP of the league right now. He's probably the MVP of the Eagles team so far this year. The Eagles have the best record in the NFL. He's on an unbelievable tear. Like, he should be getting some legitimate MVP love and attention the way A.J. Brown has played. So the real question is, what's Dan Quinn going to do to try to slow him down? Because, yep. he, he, you know, you can't go into the game without having a real good plan for A.J. Brown. Otherwise, he's a touchdown maker. He's a third down maker. I don't know what that is, Fran. I don't know if that's Gilmore with safety help. I don't know if that's Bland. Who, by the way, I think that needs to be said. How about that young man? Yeah. I mean, Trayvon Diggs goes down. You want to talk about making the most of an opportunity? And Deron Bland, 90, uh, number 26, he only a second-year kid. I don't even know where he went to school. He went to Fres Fresno State. 
Yeah, fifth round pick. I should have known. I think I did one of his games in college. But he has really taken advantage of this opportunity. I mean, he's going to end up being a guy now in the league. Yep. Yeah, I, to me, he's a guy that has has really stepped in. And he look, you're not going to replace what what Trevon Diggs brings, but uh, I mean, you see the the ball hawking tendencies. And there's a re- like they have a a prototype that they go for in Dallas in terms of what they look for at corner, uh, and he definitely matches that. You, Matthew, I think you could compare him to Diggs very favorably um, in terms of what Dan Quinn could do for AJ Brown. I mean, AJ Brown obviously he's way out ahead in terms of targets for the Eagles, but when you get on third down, I mean, he he is their main target getter. Uh, whether that is in rhythm, like primary read ball go to AJ or in those scramble situations and we've seen Jalen Hurts be so good in the scramble drill and AJ Brown is often the target on those scrambles that said uh, just real quickly because as you brought it up and as you were talking I'm like all right, let me look this up real quick Uh, the Dallas Cowboys actually run cover one double at the highest rate in the leagues so far this year. Now we're still we're talking about a very small sample size. It's it's like you know ten or eleven reps over the course of the season. But this is a team that that will run that designated double teams, right? So you're going to play with a single high safety man coverage across the board. But you're going to take you know maybe your other safety that strong safety, and you're going to uh, bracket essentially a wide receiver with a corner. And so I feel like that's probably something will that will be in the playbook. Uh, I think for this week here against the Eagles. Love the fact that you can look that up that quick. How do you look that up that quick? Listen, man, the, the technology these days—it's uh, it's amazing. Uh, you, you go to you go to PFF, you go to Next Gen Stats, you go. Oh, we got we got a lot of things that are uh, at our disposal. But um, so I anyway, think- so for me, the, on the Cowboy side of it, it's how they stop AJ Brown, yes. what they do to do that. On the Eagles side of it, it's just Micah Parsons, and and you know the fact that they can move him around as much as they can. I'm really curious, as much as anything, Fran, to see where they put him. You know. Yeah. One of the things I've noticed in terms of a trend this year is putting more guys off the ball guys, not even in three-point stances, over centers and guards to try to get those two-way go matchups, Mm -hmm. which I think is really smart. I mean, if you can have like a five-man front or something where you know that it's going to be big on big and you essentially give a Miles Garrett or a Micah Parsons a two-way go where he knows it's one-on-one against Sue Opeta or Kelsey or whoever, well, that's a pretty good matchup if you're the Cowboys. So they work really hard to try to get him those one-on-ones, and the Eagles are going to work really hard to try to not let him get those one-on-ones, I would imagine. Yeah, I'm writing an article uh, today, actually, that should drop uh, later this week on PhiladelphiaEagles.com. It's all about the Dallas pressure scheme and how much they do love to move Parsons around. And that is a growing trend around the league, uh, as you mentioned. I mean, just this week, I saw Donnell Hunter do it. I saw Miles Garrett do it. I know Pittsburgh has done it with Watt at times. Like You see constantly these teams moving around the top pass rusher and putting them, especially over the center, but over the guard, standing up, two-point stance, uh, and going with a five-man front. That's something that Dallas certainly majors in. Let me ask you one quick question before we get to your point. Uh, uh, topic number two. Have you ever played for a team for an offense where the you know that you were just you were feeling it on third down or maybe in the red zone and you were like number one, number two, number three in the league in that area? Was that like a feeling that you guys like? Uh, obviously, you plan for it. everyone plans to be good on third down, but uh, I, obviously it can be kind of circumstantial, right? Because you're talking about kind of a small sample size of plays. How do you had you ever played an offense where you guys were just feeling it in one area of situational football? Um. Certainly played on offenses where we were feeling it. Yeah. I don't know if I don't know if you ever differentiated one part of the field versus yep. others. I I don't think third down, but I think you knew if you got if you were doing really well in the red zone goal yep. goal to go. Sure. I don't remember third down as much, 
Because third down, if you're good on third down, then you're just moving the ball and you're scoring points. You're, you're, so you're, you're not, good. You're not, yeah, right. you're not thinking about it like that. But you do know if you're getting bogged down the red zone and goal line versus like, hey, we really are good when we get down there. All right. Well, let's get to uh, topic number two. For me, uh, Fran, and uh, I'm curious to get your opinion on this. I'm interested in the Eagles running game the last mm. few weeks. It has not been as good. And I don't think that they're going to be able to beat the Cowboys necessarily just by throwing the ball all over the place. And I guess I'm curious as to what you're seeing on the tape, as well as how much we think Hurts being a little bit dinged up, banged up with that knee, how much of an impact that's had on the run game. You know, maybe we feel like uh, maybe, you know, Brian Johnson's calling less of the zone read or RPO plays because of Hertz's knee and maybe they're just doing more pocket passing. I just feel like the, the Eagles are probably going to need to run the ball pretty effectively at times to be able to beat the Cowboys. Yeah. And it's something that has been a, a formula of sorts for them in the past. I remember that home game last year. What was it like? Well, uh, week six or whatever it was against the Cowboys last year in 2022. Uh, Dak Prescott did not play in this game, but the, the Cowboys defense was operating at full tilt and the Eagles were able to move the ball at them and, and the run game and the RPO game, misdirection, screen game, all a big factor in kind of keeping Parsons and that rush at bay. And honestly, I'm glad that you brought this up because it goes kind of hand in hand with this third down discussion, right? Because if they're not able to be able to run the football methodically uh, and effectively when they do call it, I mean, now you're getting into more third and eights. You're getting into more third and sevens, and that's going to play into Dallas's hands. As far as what I've seen over the last month, they me and Greg talked about it earlier this week on the podcast. They certainly have not run the ball well enough, right? And it's not even just like from a volume standpoint. It's also from an efficiency standpoint, like yards per carrier down, success rate is down, EPA is down. Like they they are not on a per carry basis, and it's not just uh you know like it's it's one guy up front or uh, although they're the running backs not because really, uh, to me like DeAndre Swift is running the ball well. Uh, I think you know when, when I've seen him run like he's he's carrying the ball well. He's running well between the tackles. Uh, we've seen some of the explosiveness for, you know from him. Um, but a lot of the numbers, the efficiency metrics, the explosive metrics that we've seen from them in the past just have not been there, especially over like the last three, four, five weeks. We talked about that after the Jets game when they lost against the New York Jets was yeah like they didn't run the ball a ton, but when they did run it. It, it was not working well for them. And so uh, I think that will be a big thing in this game is are the Eagles able to create some explosives in the run game and get after this Dallas defensive front? Because they, they don't have a ton of size. You know, they brought in Jonathan Hankins last year midstream uh, and he was a, a force for them. They kept him this offseason. They drafted Mozzie Smith in the first round of the nose tackle out of Michigan, hoping that he would kind of be that guy. And he hasn't quite hit that yet, uh, showing flashes, certainly. But uh, I, I think that will be certainly one of the big things to watch here. And last year, they read Parsons a lot. They yes. didn't even block him. Yep. They read off him. The question I have is, do they feel good enough about Hertz's knee to keep doing a lot of those plays this year where they're reading Parsons? It's the best way, it's the best way to block him. Yep. Don't block him. You yep. know, read him. Yeah. I, I, one of the things I thought from this past week against Washington, the RPO game was really, really good. Like, I could think back to, like, three or four or five, like, really good, well-run RPOs, but – to your point, like 
they weren't Hurts keeping the ball and running. It was uh, him reading the defensive end, him reading the play side linebacker, uh, and making a throw to Dallas Goddard for 16 yards on third down, or hitting A.J. Brown on a little glance route, or hitting Devontae Smith on an inbreaker. Like He's got a handful of those um, from Sunday. So if they can keep that going into this game, I think that will go a long way. So uh, yeah, uh, this run game, that, that's going to be a fascinating watch here for this matchup. Let's now go to the topic number three. And again, we always pull this from the fans. I solicited on Twitter on Tuesday afternoon. I uh, got a handful of really good questions, but I went, wanted to go with this one. This comes from Dave Diaz, 2021 on Twitter. Uh, why does coach Sirianni and his scheme use so many bubble screens to wide receivers? What is the advantage? There were at least three called against the commanders resulting in losses, no gain, or just a few yards. Not sure why we use a small wide receiver like Devonte Smith to block on such of the, on these plays either. So um, real quick, Gross, I, I do want to ask you about just like the screen game and wide receiver screen game in general, um, but just wanted to provide some quick numbers. I think some fans, because I, I've seen this is not the first time I've seen this uh, pop up on my, uh, you know, in my vision in talking about this team. The Eagles ranked 21st in the NFL on wide receiver screens. Like I think a lot of people think, oh, it's another wide receiver screen. They're 21st in the league uh, in, in in wide receiver screen percentage. Now they rank 27th in yards per attempt. So they're not very good at these wide receiver screens right now. They are not as good as they have been in years past on some of these wide receiver screens. Uh, and you, right now, if you include the tight ends, those numbers jump up, right? If you include those screens to Dallas Goddard, those numbers both in volume and efficiency do jump. But just in the wide receiver screens, they're pretty low on the list. And so, yes, they need to get better at them, but that can be a little bit noisy from a, uh, from like a stat standpoint. Oh, like, uh, they're really low in yards per game. Well, if they only, they've only called 12, uh, wide receiver screens on the year or four 15 wide receiver screens in the year. And you had three bad blocks. That's enough to like bring those metrics down. But I do want to get your thoughts just on the, on the wide receiver screen game. I understand why fans don't like it sometimes. Um, I think they call those like access throws now where yes. it's like you have, like the defense is giving you easy access to yards. The, the thought process is that if the receiver gets a good block, you're getting kind of a, a free five yards and maybe, and, and maybe, maybe more. more. Yep. And you're forcing the defense to be honest on the outside and not just play off coverage because you want them to have to move up more so you can get some stuff over the top and you're stretching the defense horizontally. So there's, there's a couple of different reasons why you do that. Yep. Um, and everybody does it. I mean, colleges do it all the time. Everybody yes. does those plays. And again, I guess that's the point too, is that like uh, as much as like the Eagles fans are, uh, and sometimes even like local media think like, oh, like they just run these ad nauseum. Like the Eagles are 21st in the league in wide receiver screen percentage. So it is not uh, like they're running at the highest clip. Uh, what I would say, like, you know, you think in years past, like I can off the top of my head, I can think of uh, two or three like Quez Watkins long catch and runs off wide receiver screens. His first touchdown of his career came against the Cardinals on one of those jailbreak screens. Uh, and the Eagles ran that exact same concept this past week. I believe it was on third down to DeAndre, uh, DeAndre Swift on the left side. And he needed one block, and that's a touch. That's going to be like a 35-yard touchdown. Like they're, they're, You're so close on a couple of these. They've run a couple tight end screens, one that went for the pick six a couple of weeks ago against Miami, uh, one that was the interception against the Jets, right, where it's just like, oh, like bad bounce that way, bad bounce this way. Like get, get another block, and this is going to be a big play. Um, and that's why like when you're t dealing with these plays in like such small sample sizes where it's you know in the teens, you know, 15 plays, 8 plays, 11 plays, it's like, all right, like we we almost got like kind of overreact to what the extremes are, and you have to understand, like at some point, like yeah, things are going to kind of bounce back that other way. So uh, I did want to include that as well. Now, like I said, 
We got a handful of good ones. And I, I saw this one from a longtime listener, C. Lee from Virginia. Uh, and it's, he put this one in there. I was like, I have to ask Ross this. It's just, it's too good not to. If Ross had to name a football play after a food, what is he calling it? So, for example, you'll have to you can put a couple examples in here for you. A cinnamon, a cinnamon pretzel twist stunt and a three-level nacho platter stretch. I sent this to you last night. I don't know if you even saw because it, it was at the bottom of the page. Um, but I figured I was like, if anyone has thought about this, it might have been Ross. Uh, so I will uh, I will lay this on you. If you could take one football play and attach some food to it, uh, how would you do it? Oh, man. <laughs> um, I can tell by the look on your face that you have not thought about this, and that makes me surprised because I would have thought if anyone had, it would have been you. No, I haven't thought of it. So now I'm thinking about like my favorite foods and my favorite plays. Football play. <laughs> yeah, my favorite plays are lead week and power. So lead week, you have a fullback leading on the weak side linebacker. And then power is to the, is like a complimentary play, actually, to the strong side where everybody's responsible for their inside gap and you pull the guard up into the hole. And I really like ice cream. I really like uh Scrambled cheese eggs. Okay. So, um, yeah. How about, how, some... about for, how about I'm going to call this? Okay. For uh, lead week, lead ISO, or either one could be the scrambled egg splatter. Okay. I like that. I like that. And we've got scrambled egg the... splatter. Uh, and and you know what? You've got something the, there uh... with like a Sunday, like a Sunday blast. Mm, like okay, ice I like cream that. Sunday blast for power or, or for the lead week, maybe. I, li- I like that. And obviously, we've got the scramble drills uh, with the Eagles being so good at those. And that, that, that can work in there as well. Oh, um, yeah. We, uh, we're we recording this on Wednesday morning. So November 1st. Halloween was last night. I'm sure you guys had a lot of fun at the Tucker household. Um, I believe because you, you and I have done a bunch of podcasts together. Don't you have like a controversial Halloween candy take? Like, isn't there one? I feel like you've said, so, you've said something to me in the past. And I said, like, you were out of your mind on it. Well, I mean, the Take Five bar is the greatest candy bar of all time. Take Five is a great bar. Controversial. Everybody knows that. (laughs) Anybody that doesn't think that the Take Five bar is the best bar of all time, in my opinion, has not had one. Um, It's also not controversial, but they should no longer mass produce Three Musketeers bars. Oh like, man, that's I, a bad. I would see, love that's to be a bad in the meeting. Like, who? <laughs> nobody goes into a convenience store, right? And they and see Snickers and Kit Kat and Twix and Reese's peanut butter cups staring them in the face and says, "You know what I'm going to do? I'm going to buy a Three Musketeers bar." That's <laughs> never happened. Somebody replied to me and said their cousin doesn't have any teeth, and that's the only candy oh, that they right. can eat. I thought, okay, that makes sense. It's <laughs> it's candy for the toothless community. Three Musketeers bars. And are are you anti candy corn too? Right. Oh, candy corn's terrible. Although I did them, uh, I did a Mac game recently, and I, I, I stopped by this tailgate. The guy didn't think I was going to show up, and I did. And uh, they had a whole bowl of candy corn and peanuts. And actually, if you mix them Ooh. together, that's okay. delicious. Yeah, well, it's, you get this, you get the, uh, the the sweet and salty. That makes sense. You get the sugar with the uh, the saltiness of the it's peanuts. Like a that makes a lot of bar. sense. It was awesome. That's outstanding. Um, yeah, I knew I knew you had uh, you had a couple takes in you from uh, from Halloween. But <laughs> uh, well, Ross, this was great as always. We'll be back next week. Uh, it'll be the Eagles' bye week, but we'll, we'll have some things to chew on uh, as always. Thanks, Ross. We'll talk to you next week. Sounds great. Thank you. 
All right, so great stuff there from Ross Tucker. Always great to hear from him. Uh, always great picking his brain, even whether it's about Eagles, uh, the opponent, or about food, as, as we always typically try to tend to hit on with Ross Tucker. Uh, now let's get to more analysis from our Eagles game plan crew. We already heard from Aaron Moorhead from this week's episode. Let's get some more intel from John Clark, Ike Reese, Mike Quick, Greg Cosell. This is all stuff that, due to time constraints, I couldn't quite squeeze into the show, but I kept all of this extra analysis just for you. Let's go now to the Eagles game plan crew. Greg, I completely agree with that. The misdirection, I think, helped the Eagles in the past against him. But what about just simply, when you got that type of speed that Michael Parsons brings to the game, what about just simply running it right at him? Like, with your strength, like taking away that speed element. Yeah, and they'll do that. I, you know, I, one thing we have not seen in recent weeks is, is the Eagles run the ball quite with the volume they did earlier in the season. Maybe this is a game they will do that. Obviously, last week against the Commanders, they wanted to throw it. They made that clear, and they had great success. And I think they will throw it. it it's man coverage. They know what they're going to get. But I think the run game could become a little more of a factor in this game just to kind of settle down that front. Because this is a front that just, uh, Q, as you know, they just like to go. And, yeah. and, you know, it's almost as if they play the run on the way to the quarterback. Yeah, they know that you have to throw the football. They really can pin their ears back and come after you. And they've got a variety of ways of attacking the quarterback in those obvious situations. But I like the fact that the Eagles are going up against a team where on the outside, there's going to be a lot of man coverage. There's going to be a lot of one-on-one. You'll see the cover three where there's a single high safety. They like to bring a safety in the box and do multiple things with him. But on the outside, there's a lot of single coverage, and I like that matchup. I like A.J. Brown against those cornerbacks that they have. I like the slim reefer, Devontae Smith, against those corners that they have. And I think in this game, you have to take advantage of the outside the number throwing the football. It's going to be real key to Jalen trust what he sees yeah. and let the ball fly. Because this team, they'll sit back there and they'll give you a certain look, warning you. They want to bait you into making certain throws because they want to be opportunistic and, and jump routes, right? I talked about De'Ron Bland. These are guys that are looking to get interceptions and make big plays. That can work against them. Right. They can work for them. We can use that aggression that they like against them. I wouldn't, I wouldn't be surprised if we put some double moves into the offensive game plan from the wide receivers to no, take advantage of that aggressiveness. You have to have that because, they're, like you said, they're going to be aggressive. And the best way to combat that, a little double move, a little stutter go, a little out and up, get those receivers working on the outside, get the protection right, first of all, yeah. but then work the outside with these talented receivers that the Eagles have. And the Cowboys, they lead the NFL in takeaways over the last three years under Dan Quinn. You saw the two turnovers by the Eagles in the red zone in Washington. That yeah. can't happen this week, right? Yeah, I mean, that's what I mean. Like, we got to be able to take care of the football. And it starts at the quarterback position. Again, when he sees something, man, pull that trigger, let it rip, and be confident in what you're doing. But if you're back there holding on to the ball or you double clutch it, that's what this defense wants. A, they got a chance to get after you with that pass rush. Michael Parsons, DeMarcus Lawrence, those guys up front. But more importantly, their secondary is filled with guys that have great pedigree. We talk about Malik Hooker. He's a former first-round draft pick yep. from the coast. These guys can play, so they are looking to take the ball away from you. They are a talented football team. They do things right in a lot of areas. In fact, all three phases scored touchdowns last week. You mentioned yeah. the touchdown by Bland to pick six. They scored on special teams, yeah. and of course their offense scored a bunch of points. This is a good football team. It's going to be a great matchup. All right, so if you go back to that game last year in Dallas where the Cowboys put up a lot of points on the Eagles, 
in the slot. Avante Maddox got hurt in that game, and that's where they put C.D. Lamb. He went for two touchdowns over 100 yards. Who do you think the Eagles will line up this year in the slot cornerback spot? Well, I think it's going to be a variety of guys. We saw it last week. I mean, until someone really steps up health-wise, first of all, and then establish it from a production standpoint, it's going to be a sort of a rotating, floating sort of who's going to be in that nickel spot. Bradley Roby, don't know if he's going to be back this week. I would imagine when he's completely healthy, he'll get the first shot at it. But last week we saw Sidney Brown play there, particularly in early downs, and then Eli Ricks came in and played the nickel spot when it was sort of an obvious passing situation. And I kind of like that setup. You know, Sidney's more of a physical player yeah. and be sort of that quasi-safety slash slot corner linebacker to help you out in the run game. And then Eli Ricks from a – Cornerback standpoint, I think he's more fluid. He has more natural covering skills. So when it's in obvious passing situations, he's better suited to get in there. But for my money, I think Bradley Roby is the ideal guy to be in there because that's his natural position. He has the experience of playing the position. So until he's back and fully healthy, I think you're going to get Sidney and Eli out there playing in a sort of combo fashion. I agree completely. But you mentioned something. Until healthy. Yeah. And that's been the issue. So in eight games, there's been a different combination starting in the secondary all eight games. So it's just a matter of these guys getting healthy so that you have some continuity, so that you have the same guys playing from week to week. And when you get to that point, you'll be able to determine. And like you, I think Roby is the guy, but I do like what we saw out of Sidney Brown last week. And you have to be better. This team the Eagles have to be better at defending the middle part of the field. Yeah, I mean, you're talking about C.D. Lamb being in that slot position. <laughs> yes. That is difficult because I think that's his best position, honestly. I know they want to try him outside and get him at the X or the Z spot, but he is best in that slot because he's shifty, yeah. he's physical, and you're getting him working against safeties, corners, and sometimes linebackers in that position. It's impressive to me how C.D. Lamb has taken shots after shots. Yeah. And he still gets up and he's celebrating a catch with this little thing that he does, this first down move <laughs> that he does. I hate to see it. We don't need to see that. Yeah, we don't need to see that. But the guy can move. He catches the ball well in traffic. He takes the shots and he keeps on going. He's an impressive young player. So that is going to be a huge matchup, defending him in the slot. The key is going to get pressure on Dak Prescott, That's getting it. pressure on Dak Prescott. So where along the Cowboys' offensive line can you attack it? Because they're not 100% coming into this game. And that's huge when you're talking about going up against this Eagles defensive front. If you have any weaknesses there or guys that aren't necessarily filling up to 100%, the Eagles will take advantage of that. And that, that's what I expect to see yeah. in this game. The Cowboys struggling a little bit, primarily with health, just having healthy guys up front. So we don't know who's going to be available versus who's not going to be available. Last week, they were down to their third left tackle last week against the Rams. And the Eagles feast off of that stuff. When you're talking about Hassan Reddick and Josh Sweat, the young bucks in the middle, Jalen Carter, Jordan Davis, Fletcher Cox as well. I mean, that's, that's where you want to take advantage of this Cowboys offense is that if their offensive line can't protect Dak, you start getting hits on Dak, and then the ball starts to come out funny, and that's where you can get turnovers. I think the game is going to be won or lost right there. Yeah. Those guys that you're talking about, Sweat and Haas Riddick coming off the edge, the guys in the middle breaking down the protection on Dak and speeding up Dak's process, forcing Dak to throw the ball early, getting him out of his comfort zone, getting him out of that rhythm that he talked about after last week's game, that's going to be the key to the success of this game. 
And again, be sure to check out Eagles Game Plan. It goes up digitally on Saturday across all Eagles channels and specifically the Eagles YouTube page. Or if you live in the Philadelphia area, Sunday morning, NBC 10 at 6.30 a.m. this week. It's going on a little bit earlier because of the game in London between the Chiefs and Dolphins. So a little bit earlier this week, uh, but make sure you go check that out uh, over uh, if you live in the Philadelphia area on NBC 10. Great stuff there from the Eagles Game Plan crew. Thanks to them and thanks to all of you out there for your continued support of this show and all the rest of our X's and O's content here with Eagles Entertainment. That being said, I think that'll do it. Another show in the books here on the Eagle Eye in the Sky podcast. For everybody here at the Novacare Complex, I am Fran Duffy. We will talk to you next week. Eagles fans, the Pennsylvania general election is right around the corner. Now is the time to create your game plan to vote on Tuesday, November 7th. Text EAGLES to 26797 to register to vote and check your voter registration status. This year, voters will have the chance to elect county and city officials as well as judges and other local representatives. You can vote in person, by mail, or at a secure ballot drop box. Be sure to register to vote by Monday, October 23rd and request a mail-in by Tuesday, October 31st. Our democracy is only as strong as our commitment to participate in it. Go birds and go vote.